Gonna make a, a really lewd remark about his mother. Oh, okay. Just that, that sweet ass. That sweet Goomba ass. Goomba ass. That Goomba ass. What was her name? That delicious mouth. It's probably just Goomama, isn't it? Something like that. Something, something like that. She had that. She had that. Uh, that uh, bandana, right? She she wore a bandana. Goombella. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Gumbella. Gumbella was it's the, it's the um, sister. Was a sister, and then in in Thousand Year Door, the the oh, what was her name? Gum. Gum. Nope. Um. No. Was that Gum? Not Gum. That wasn't Gumbella, was it? No. I don't uh, have my phone on me. Honestly, I don't. Whatever. You I know don't what? Fucking care. All I wanted to say was Gumbaria's mother was hot. <laughs> Just this hot. Piece I of okay. Ass. You said it. I was, uh, I was gonna show you, <coughs> oh, fuck, why am I smoking without drinking something first? Oh. Well, I just, you know, I noticed <coughs> the, 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 excuse me, <coughs> Jesus Christ, <coughs> I don't, I don't feel so good, I All feel right. like, <laughs> okay. well, I noticed the Paper Mario game in your Nintendo 64, and I just, I just, I, well, you know. I mean, duh, guys, I don't actually think Umbario's mother is hot. It was the father that I really... No one can see how serious his eyes are. My eyes are dead right now. When he says these things. My eyes feel like they have weight to them right now. So, uh... (laughs) It's, uh... It's reality. Crushing in and closing, closing off. Uh, welcoming the void. It was a weird day today. I, I won't give away any personal details, but I did, and this is real, I did witness somebody, like, lose consciousness today. Like, was legitimately from, from from heat. From, oh, lose, from con- heat. lose consciousness. From oh. heat? Yeah, I've, uh, I've actually had a heat stroke and blacked out once before. It's one of the only times I've actually ever blacked out. But the, the kicker was that they were in the car when it was cool. They had cooled down. Ew. Yeah, they had cooled down. They to, were running on borrowed time. I think so. And they they were starting to complain about blurred vision and ringing in the ears. And all of a sudden, I mean, I mean, hint, hint. Obviously, this wasn't the driver. Otherwise, this would be, you know, we you'd wouldn't be, be dead. Well, maybe, probably. Um, yeah. But anyway, but yeah. And then lost consciousness. And then I I had a. Well, I mean, I wasn't driving, so... I mean, these are now the only details I'm giving about driving situation. <laughs> I wasn't driving, and this person wasn't driving, but it was weird. They they were only unconscious for, like, 10, 15 seconds, maybe a little bit longer. It was um, it was a weird day. I thought I was going to have to do CPR. 
and mouth to mouth. Big fan of Paper Mario. Well, Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door. Vivian. Did you know Vivian in the Japanese version? Is a transsexual male. Yeah. Still. I believe you and I read the same article. Very interesting. Yeah. Never put that together because I was too busy looking at Miss B's big old titties. You know what? In the Japanese version or the American versions. Still a... Still a nice piece of innocent ass. Innocent. That ass. All right, that but, but what, what about, is it with asses? What, what's wrong and with what, that? And was she innocent? Because she started as an anti-hero. She well, started as a villain. Now and then she got ridiculed I, by I, her sisters. In the American version. I don't know if that's how it goes down in the Japanese version. In the Japanese they version, got they ridiculed. got ridiculed. <laughs> well, we, we just have to clarify. We're, so we're referring to Vivian from the American version... She well, are was, you Japanese? I wasn't aware. That, uh, that you're Sang ni ichi. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm for a countdown. I remember. I remember like literally a hundred episodes ago. You were just like, "Yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning Japanese." Japanese. <laughs> well, folks. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> yes. Hi. That's so homely. Homely. Very homely. Oh. I'm obviously here with Tenron Otrin, and this is going to be the part two of those silly little gas station stories that we've been reading. It's um, just one story, though. Oh, there there are more. Well, it's one... Is it not one continuous story? I do not believe it is one continuous story. I believe it kind of jumps and takes different perspectives. Oh. If, if, oh, okay. I, if I am to stand corrected, I believe a partner series to this one is about a detective looking for someone, and we may or may not have run into that character already. Um, he may or may not have been the man who ran off into the woods looking for <clears throat> a person of some kind. Was this... Tracking down that cult. Hold on. Was this room a bathroom? <laughs> Look at the plumbing in your wall. No. Uh, it was a, a hair salon. It was oh. a little... It was a little... Like, it had one of those chairs that goes oh. back so you can wash hair. Oh, cool. I was uh, like, evidently, okay. Evidently, this door... Opening this door, it used to be another screen door right there. And there oh. was a sign that hung above the door... And apparently the woman who lived here with her husband would do just hair for women. And the the front of the house... She didn't, never wanted customers coming to the front of the house. So they all came so to she'd the keep, back. So she'd keep this room as like a waiting room. And then she'd let people just come down and get their hair oh. cut right here. And she was able to like monitor everything, you know, when people wow. would come in and come out and whatnot. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. for the first time noticed this... You noticed the plumbing down this, there. This plumbing in the wall, and I'm just like... What the hell is going on? No, there's there's a drain in the floor, too. I murder people back here. That's, so, that's the answer I was looking for. Right. So, Gas Station series is still, you know... It's, it's held in high regard. A lot of people say this is one of the cooler, newer series of the last couple of years... I think it is fun. I think it is uh, a little playful and and creative, and it's definitely doing a lot of things at once. Um, you know, we have the the vegetable people growing in the forest. There's a cult. There's a monster. There's something. 
There's like an elder god living under the gas station. Um, there's a conspiracy going on in the politics of the city, you know. Um, there's there's a the, the a lot of a lot of shit, just a lot of shit going on all at once. And I am definitely interested in seeing where this eventually gets to, but I did want to first start by talking with Tenron about something that we got together to do recently and uh just to just to touch on it a little bit we <coughs> literally rented a cabin a three-story cabin out in the middle of nowhere just to play the game and by the game i mean who goes there the thing game that we've talked about a couple times just to play that game with a couple other dudes <coughs> and um i believe you survived once I survived to the I end. I also once. survived once. I'm very I'm very proud that you know the way the way things started were very negative, very unknown, very claustrophobic. We all we all got turned the first game, I well, believe. No, I just got straight up murdered. You just got straight up murdered the first game. Yeah. Then the second game we adapted, we tried new things. I still got turned and then I believe we still we still consumed everyone. The first game, I gave everyone, a, I did everyone a favor because what had happened. <laughs> yes, please is tell us. I like knew something was not right, and I decided to make a run for it. And I literally ran. Into, <laughs> I remember. Now. I ran down the road the away from you people. Filmed. I ran into the woods. I took two videos documenting my time in the woods, and it was about 20 minutes that I was out there. He did a very good Blair Witch impersonation of being lost in the woods and something chasing him. Honestly, it's it's very good. It's a very good little uh, little clip that he did to, to get into character. And I just was like, all right, I'm just going to come back. I surrender because I could have held out probably for a long time out of <laughs> stubbornness folks i was the last human left yeah we didn't know where you were i believe you just walked back and, and looked at my sister and said kill me kill me i, I surrendered I, I was like we should just play another game because i mean there was no way i was gonna live and everyone would have to come hunt me in the in the jungle but third game where i survived <laughs> was a new strategy i employed uh it was complete and utter indifference. <laughs> I, you don't know this, but when I went in for my first round, I hid in basically a closet. <laughs> and at, when my five minutes were up, I came back out and I said, no, nah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> You're right. I didn't know that. So all that I know going into the third game was... Tenron was being really, like, aggressive. I was so drunk. He was being really aggro, and when I decided, like, that we were picking characters and, who, and who's gonna go first, I let him go first, and he didn't even, like, make eye contact with me. He was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. And I was, at first I was just like, oh my, is he not having a good time? Is he mad at me? Like, like usually you and I have a game together where we team up and yeah, we try to do something. Yeah, it was a little different this time. And you, you gave me a wide breadth all three games. I don't think I ran into you, like, once. Definitely not. Which goes to say something about how the game is played. Um, there were just so many situations where I found myself 
I don't know, working with people I've never worked with before. I mean, there, I would say there, there were some, some new players. It was Cum's first time playing. He had a really good time. He kept talking about it at work today. It was very funny. Um, and I, I think if, if I had one critique of the entire evening, it's simply that I, I wish I had more room. I wish I had more, more places. I yeah. wish I had, um, a bigger field for us to play on, so to speak. And, and that was no, that was no like disadvantage that I had, you know, control over. Um, it was a disadvantage we were working with. And even then I still managed to have a good time, and I think, for the most part, everyone else did too. Um, well, I I did get some feedback. It was heard loud and clear. I am going to, you know, work on a couple things, but I think, for the most part, we're going to get together and try to do it again in a couple months. I think this game would work so well in a facility. Like, it'd be like an escape room slash laser tag facility mm -hmm. where i mean you charge people uh for uh like a game or two because the games last a little while so i mean you could do two games for 35 bucks i yeah. mean or one game 15 you or, know yeah my, my my thing was so this is actually a conversation i had with where am i he was like what would get you to you know bring this game out into the world and i pretty much said here's my dream here's my dream folks I would love to have a owned and operated uh, building outside of Universal City Walk in Orlando, Florida, right outside their theme parks, and I would charge people twenty to thirty bucks to play. You know, like a single round. You know, an hour round, and it would just consist of movie-like props rooms that are based off of the actual architecture from the movie, um, even go as far as making it, like, super air-conditioned in there, so it's kind of cold, and, um, the idea would be purely based off of the films, and all of the props would be very authentic, and there would almost be a game master, not necessarily a player, that just, like, walks around and referees the entire thing and tells people when to come back. And when to do what segments. And that's kind of my idea, you know, a completely endorsed thing, product, but, like, at the same time, like, I don't know, they've they've had the rights for, for so many years, it's it's hard to, um, to see them actually ever doing anything with it. Um, I believe there was a rumor several years ago that they were gonna do something at Horror Nights with the thing, and it never, it never flourished so you know i i don't know if they're trying to do anything with that property i know that they're trying to do another adaptation off of a found manuscript but it's hard for me to see them doing anything more than the board game that they released like four years ago yeah um outpost 31 which isn't a bad game it's just essentially it's the game we play but in a board game format so like everyone's just like essentially it's reverse clue at that point you know um which doesn't sound all that enticing as a board game. Yeah, it's, it's a lot yeah. more fun walking around a dark house and scaring the shit out of each other. That being said, there were there were some fun moments of note. Um, my first fun moment of note was I vehemently, vehemently, to the entire group, defended someone who I thought was human. 
and I was absolutely fucking wrong. And I had been alone with this person for the entire first two rounds, literally alone, face to face, with my gun down, shoulder to shoulder, and he not once tried to turn me. So I was convinced he was human because I'm more or less when I'm when I'm the game master and I'm playing the game with people, I more or less let them turn me if they want to try and turn me. I don't necessarily fight it unless it's warranted. Like if you come walking at me, I'm going to shoot you or I'm going to tell you to back the fuck up. But if we're working on something together for multiple rounds and then you choose to turn me, I'll be like, yo, nice. You know, I'll almost be impressed that you tricked me thus far. And uh, Deputy Dewey, who was playing with us, had been the original red chip thing at the beginning of the game. And he had gone a half hour without doing shit about it. He didn't turn me. He didn't turn where am I. It was the three of us together. And at the beginning of the game, we looked at each other and said, if you're a thing, just turn me right now so we can start working together on, on other stuff. And no one turned each other, so we all just started working on stuff. And I was under the impression that all of us were human. <laughs> it gets to a point where no one trusts us because we've been alone for most of the entire game. And everyone else is throwing ac accusations. Little do we know the accusations are actually being thrown by someone else who was also infected at the time. I didn't know that. But regardless, we start doing blood tests and one of us is coming up red and we're just killing the people who come up red because we assume that it's not the person we're working with. So we go to test 10 Ron and one of them comes up red and we assume that we have the correct answer. And Tenron, knowing he's about to be blackmailed, literally just pulls out his gun and shoots where am I in the chest, who was human. I know. He had a gun he on did not. He did not know. And you killed him. And um, I, was, I, I had a really good explanation that I, I explained to him about that. I said to him, you know why I killed you? I killed you because if I had killed Cap, he would have been pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you, you you've killed me. me so other so many other times <laughs> no and and you know what he was saying to me where am i was like fair fair <laughs> fair, enough, fair fair enough <laughs> um so here i am defending deputy dewey when he's really just blackmailing anyone we're blood testing and so we kill tenron in retaliation of him killing where am i and i continue to defend to my family, to my friends, that the person I am teamed up with is human because I am still human. And I'm very passionate about it. And people and people are like, I can't tell if he's lying. And I'm like, I'm not fucking lying. And, um, and then the next round starts, and I immediately turn around, and Deputy Dewey changes me. <laughs> and I go, no way. And he's like... He's like, I have to bring you into it now because I just signaled an escape and we need to find a way to work around it. And, you know, you only have so much time to convince the rest of the people to either get on the doomed helicopter or to get shot by you who has a shotgun. So what we ended up doing was actually talking uh, two of the three other humans that were still in play 
onto a helicopter that we knew was going to go down. And then me being stuck at base by myself with one other person. I had a shotgun. They had an axe. It was actually cum. And I and I shot him in the fucking chest. And, uh, and, he, was, and he was stunned. He was genuinely stunned. He was like, I thought you were human the entire time, man. And I was like, I was like, I really was human the entire time. I just got changed last round. And it it kind of it kind of blew a couple people's minds a little bit at how Deputy Dewey just fucking played us. Definitely blew my mind. Uh, a hat goes off to Deputy Dewey for his Tom fuckery this last round, because he was definitely trying some new things and they were working. Um, I'll also give a uh, uh, a hat off to. Um, who who was it who who played me the last game? Um, Strawberry Shortcake. We we were trying to hunt the last infected. Almost everyone in the house was still human, and we were blood testing everyone. And there was an escape triggered, and we knew someone was human. It was actually Frowns who ended up getting on a helicopter with you, and you guys actually ended up escaping perfectly fine. So like we kind of already won because of your escape being successful. But you keep playing to figure out what happens at the well, base. Well, I, I had prevented you from escaping via the helicopter because I took the last piece. You took the last part. piece. But you don't necessarily... You don't necessarily... Kind of. You don't necessarily need to escape to win the game. You just need to make sure there are no things left in the base. And... It came to a point where we were blood testing Strawberry Shortcake. And... He put his chip into the bag and then uh, got, like, basically uh, pulled off to the side as if he was, like, having a discussion when really he was just taking off into the fucking woods to go hide because he knew that once we revealed the chip, we were going to come fucking murder him. And he actually took off and had us on a bit of a chase um, for a little bit because it was me and my, my sister's boyfriend... And uh, a couple other people who were then tasked with hunting said person down. And he actually, he took, he took Deputy Dewey down before he, he ended up dying. So some of us didn't make it because of his treachery. And I applaud, I applaud his betrayal. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. There, there are fun little moments. Who killed Jenga that, that round? Um, where am I? And you know who killed Where Am I? I did. <laughs> and you know which one of them was infected? Where, Where am, am I? <laughs> he knew he was going to be found. He said it to me after the last game. He was like, too many people knew I was acting weird. You wouldn't let me come near you. And I was like, yeah, because you kept trying to come near me. <laughs> I was like, stop. And um, <laughs> he got turned and... He was just like, I'm going to kamikaze. It's it. Someone's going to figure out that I'm turned at some point because I'm awful at trying to turn other people. And so the first thing he does is he turns around and shoots Django. <laughs> and when we go back to the base to talk about it, and I'm looking at everyone's guns <laughs> to see who has a bullet in their gun, I'm like... All right, who doesn't have a bullet in their gun? And we all look at where am I? And he just puts both of his hands up. And all that I do is shoot him immediately in the chest. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, fucking A, man. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, good good times. And then he he kind of helped posthumously. Um, he posthumously helped uh, Strawberry Shortcake escape into the woods. Um, because I thought he was trying to help the game when really he was trying to help it, the person who turned him. And it was it was pretty... F At first, I was a little perturbed. I was like, why are... You're dead. Why are you influencing the game? But then, essentially, what he was doing is he was trying to, you know, get a rat out of a, a corner for a second. It certainly made the game a little bit more uh, adventurous. I really do he wish there was a bigger campus at which we could play oh i there there was an another big place that i was thinking of having us go to instead of that place and it's definitely bigger um my problem was it was it was in a uh suburban setting so there would have been other people around and i didn't necessarily feel comfortable running around or, or being under any type of surveillance so my my next thing is um the same people who owned the cabin we went to now own uh, a bigger cabin uh, down property more. I think it has like two or three more bedrooms. Oh, okay. And it's more like a ranch style home, but it still has the same layout. You know, a third floor, a loft, a basement with uh, the sliding doors. So part of me would like to think that if we had just a little bit more space, that could have been perfect. So, you know, if we could play with six bedrooms and not all of them have puzzles in them, I think next next session could be pretty cool. But that's that's us talking about something that people might not understand. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we basically gather up like a bunch of nerds and play a <clears throat> kind of live action role play of the thing um, using... Uh, prop weapons and laminated cards and little puzzles and clues and shit. And one of us is tasked with going around and infecting everyone else, and everyone else is just trying to survive. It's pretty fucking fun, um, and we have fun doing it. So we're going to continue doing it. Should we get into the... The gas station? the gas huffing? I think we should take a pit stop... At the gas station. <laughs> Were you saying huffing? I said the gas huffing. The gas huffing. <laughs> I've never... Huffing I've, the I've gas. Wondered. Well, have you ever been at a gas station and just take a really Qu big old sniff? Oh, yeah. Then you're halfway there, bud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we are... Getting back to Tales from a Gas Station, and this is a pretty well-known series on Reddit No Sleep. Um, when we last left off, I believe our narrator was thrown into a hole and broke one of his limbs, mm -hmm. and he was recovering in a hospital, and while he was out, an ex-cult member was filling us in on what was going on at the gas station while our main character was away. And it was pretty, it was pretty humorous for the, the story to switch to a, a lighthearted gear for a moment. But I believe now we're back and I'm going to let Tenron take it away. Recovering from an injury sucks. Recovering from an injury when you can't fall asleep 
sucks worse. Recovering from an injury when you can't fall asleep while simultaneously being hunted by a sociopath, lackey of a dark god, with a personal vendetta against you, sucks even worse. But what sucks even more worse is having to do all of the above and still being called into work because, as the owners put it, the new guy is a complete and total moron with willful and malicious idiocy that borders on the criminal. And so, here I am. I am here. <laughs> Against the doctor's advice, at the shitty gas station at the edge of town, only a little worse for the wear. What's really incredible is that I've only been back for one day and there's already a body count. More on that later. My right leg is in a cast from ankle to thigh, and I have elected to use crutches because unsurprisingly the gas station is not wheelchair accessible. The cast has several signatures and messages, which is very strange because I have no memory of anyone signing it, but that could just be as a result of the pain meds. Looking down now, I can see that Carlos scrawled his message. Oh, try and stay out of trouble. C. The letter C, guys, because of Carlos. C is for... Carlos. Carlos. Come. For come. 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 There's also a message in red crayon. Jerry was here. A few signatures scribbled in Sharpie and a little further up my leg. I have to pull my pants way up to read it. This note... Um, R-T-R-A-T-C. Oh, wow. Hmm, well, that's annoyingly cryptic. <laughs> I would check the tape logs to see who I let get so close to my delicate area, but the owners had every camera in the place removed. I guess there was something about finding that secret room full of security camera feeds to bring personal privacy into the public discussion. I feel like the act of removing all the security cameras was a bit of an overreaction, especially with Spencer still out there. The police took a statement and confiscated the remains of the bomb. They're taking this whole thing very seriously, and an arrest warrant is out for Spencer Middleton, should he ever show up again. As for Kiefer, things get a little more interesting. The police were unable to find any evidence that he ever even existed. <laughs> he had no property in his name, no driver's license, no public record of any kind. The only thing even linking him to this town was a grainy picture in an old yearbook photo. It would seem that Kiefer was living off the grid ever since he graduated high school. And now that Spencer's attempt to blow up the gas station failed, Kiefer has suspended his election campaign and simply disappeared. The sheriff has been sending a new deputy, Arnold, out to check on me once or twice a day. Arnold isn't from around here, which is probably why he agreed to replace Tom as the new gas station babysitter. He's about 6'2", dark-skinned, with a mustache thick enough to plant a yard flamingo in. He has eyes that constantly telegraph the sentiment, Knock that nonsense off! And I have yet to see him smile. I don't know if Arnold will become the next Tom or the next Spencer. Right now, he could go either way. Arnold was the one that dropped me off at work today. I'm not supposed to get back behind a steering wheel for a while, which is fine, I guess. It's not like I'm going on any road trips anytime soon. On the way to work, we pass the SUV of the man with the beard, the one staked in place on the side of the road by the tree growing up through its engine. I asked Arnold about it. He just shrugged it off and said I shouldn't worry myself with other people's business. I asked him about the owner of the vehicle, and Arnold said that they think he got lost in the woods, 
just like those hikers last fall. The search and rescue effort was underway, and he was confident that they would find him one way or another. After Arnold dropped me off today, I went about my regular shift starting duties. I reconciled Marlboro's till, not at all surprised to see that he was somehow $150 over, or that the surplus was entirely in $1 coins. I logged all the invoices that had piled up while I was out, then I emptied the trash cans. I was hoping that I might run into the cowboy, but the only thing in the men's room was an obese Hispanic trucker punishing the toilet and surrounding air with an unholy fury that deserves its own scary story. What is it the the, the bathroom cowboy says? He's just like, oh, oh keep on, partner. Something, something, like, something that. like that. Oh, I have to, I'd have to go back and see. <laughs> the sun was starting to go down when I hobbled out to the dumpster, balancing garbage cans, garbage bags against my crutches, probably looking like a baby deer learning to walk. You know, if that deer were drunk and two-legged and carrying several bags of garbage... The scorched earth near the dumpster was the same as I had left it, blackened down to the subsoil. Somewhere just past the start of the trees was another patch of smoldered remains, one that I neglected to mention in the police report. One that might look, to the casual observer, like the remains of a human body. Before I turned to go back in, I noticed something odd on the side of the dumpster. At first I thought it was a child's toy stuck to the dirty outside wall. But then I realized that it was moving, breathing, crawling slowly, and eating the gooey drippings off the rust of the dumpster. The thing looked like a giant tomato caterpillar about eight inches long, and as the sun went down, I swear I could see the thing give off its own light source. <laughs> the squishy caterpillar thing didn't seem to mind my presence, even let me feed it an old starburst that I had in my pocket, a yellow because, like all people, I hate the yellow starburst. I actually like yellow starburst. Do I sound a little bit like Chris Hansen to you? <laughs> Am I talking like... Hey. This why guy. You, why don't you sit down? <laughs> yellow. Have a seat for Because, like all people, I hate John. I hate the yellow starburst. <laughs> now you're doing more of a Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> no. I hate the yellow I hate starburst. It. The yellow starburst. <laughs> eh. Everyone... Everyone hates the yellow starburst. I really think I'm like Chris Hansen now. All right. The critter bioluminesced a bit, a little, oh, a little brighter as it ate the taffy and I gave it a gentle pet. Its hide wasn't as wet as it appeared. In fact, it seemed to be covered in tiny clean hairs. You're not so bad. That was Chris Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> to the pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> You're not so bad. You know, this guy <laughs> comes in and you realize that they have no sense of morality. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. You're not so bad, I said while it nibbled at the candy. Not everything out here needs to be scary, huh? It wiggled and crawled away to a place on the back of the dumpster with more gunk and I went back into the gas station. Marlboro has, has taken up smoking again. He'd quit for a while, but then explained that the suffering he was causing himself by not smoking grossly outweighed the suffering he was causing us through secondhand smoke. And mathematically speaking, well, it didn't make any sense for him to quit. 
I had hoped that he was beginning to shed his cultist philosophy after the entire compound mysteriously vanished, but now I'm starting to fear that he can't be rehabilitated. Oh well. Today was pretty normal. Well, not normal, but average. Day. It's, oh, I, I today was, gonna, was a... I was going to say it's the same same description someone would use when looking at my, my genitals. This was... These were pretty normal. But, well, sorry, not normal. They were average. <laughs> they sagged. <laughs> well, not normal, but average. I wouldn't describe them as scrody. <laughs> they were average. <laughs> take a seat. <laughs> Just take a seat with me for a second. I have the chat logs here. You asked for a picture... <laughs> And then you sent a picture of your penis, John. <laughs> it's, it's not normal, but Do average. you describe yourself as a predator? I don't know. <laughs> You've been watching a lot of Chris Hansen lately. <laughs> Months ago, it was like on my algorithm recommended videos on YouTube for some reason, and I watched one. And I was like, this is great. I had never watched it before. Oh, okay. And then I just got a flood. Okay. A flood of chris hansen videos and so i just think he's such a fascinating speaker <laughs> you gotta be with a job like that. i i have the chat logs here you get pretty graphic <laughs> <laughs> um yeah <laughs> all right this caterpillar thing is fascinating realize okay <clears throat> today was a pretty normal well not normal but average day at the gas station. We had some strange people visit. We had some normal people visit, too. And along the way, I zoned out. I finished a book I'd been reading, made some boring journal entries, and even got online to browse the internet for a while. There's another package sitting under the counter addressed to me from a return address I don't recognize. I took a, a gamble with the last package, and it turned out to be something great. But that was before Spencer tried to kill me, and once again, my gut is telling me not to open it. I got a phone call today at the store, a few hours after sundown. It was pretty late. Hard to say when exactly. Marlboro was asleep in his hammock in the dry storage room, and I couldn't remember the last customer. This was somewhere in that temporal wasteland between dusk and dawn. Uh, hello? Jack, listen very carefully. You don't know me. What I'm about to tell you will save your life but only if you follow my instructions and do exactly what I say. In the drawer to your right is a pencil and paper. Get them and write this down. These are the rules to your survival. One, do not leave the gas station. Do not go outside under any circumstances. Two, do not drink the tap water. Don't even touch it. Don't smell it. Don't look at it. It's bottled water from here on out. Three, don't trust your eyes. Four, barricade Wait, the... hang on, hang on. Where did you say the pen was? He sighed. In a drawer to the right. My right or your right, I asked. Your... How the hell would it be my right? I'm on the phone. Right then, I heard a car horn honk. It was the old widow, Mrs. Sistrunk. She's another local somewhere in the area of a hundred years old, if I had to guess. 
and at this point not much more than a skeleton wrapped in an ill-fitting skin suit with vibrant lipstick smeared all over the general mouth area. After her husband died, Mrs. Agatha Sistrunk had taken to buying and collecting sports cars and oversized trucks and racing them around the outskirts of town at all hours of the night. Her most recent purchase was a brand new Ford F550 with a painting of the Hulk and all his green smashing glory along the side. In person, she was a sweet old lady no taller than four and a half feet. She wore special shoes to reach the gas pedal and always came to this gas station to fill up because she knew I'd help her pump her gas, something she had never done before and wasn't interested in learning how to do. One sec, I said to the voice on the other end of the phone. Be right back, Mrs. Sistrunk needs me to top her off. Listen to me! The voice growled. Do not go outside. You go outside and you're dead, do you hear me? I hear what you're saying, I said as I grabbed my crutches and got ready to leave. But I don't work for you. With that, I hung up the phone and went outside to help Mrs. Sistrunk. Old Agatha, that broad, was happy to see that. Sexy that was my bitch. feeling, folks, the broad part. Old, Old Agatha, Agatha, that fuck. sweet 100-year-old, that just delectable, like, spectacular and bodacious lips and I'm not talking wrinkly I'm talking about <laughs> her genitals <laughs> old Agatha was happy to see that I was back at work apparently Marlboro made her nervous she said he was flirting at her and wouldn't stop smoking while he pumped her gas before she left she gave me a case of empty light beers and asked if I would be a lamb and toss these for her I can't say no to Agatha when I got around back to toss her trash, I noticed something incredible. The glowworm from this morning had formed itself into an enormous cocoon against the back of the dumpster. I, I can't explain why exactly, but this filled me with some sort of... I don't know. Um, what, what means the exact opposite of existential dread? Euphoria? Existential hope? <laughs> Is this what optimism feels like? Again, I know it doesn't make any sense, but seeing the weird garbage-eating caterpillar thing begin the brave journey of transformation gave me this tingling feeling in my soul. Like this was some kind of sign. Just when the caterpillar thought his world had come to an end, he became a butterfly. My world has felt like it was coming to an end for a while too, little buddy. Maybe I'm also on the verge of a metamorphosis, Maybe the world doesn't have to be strange and scary. Maybe it can be strange and cool. I decided that whatever hatched from the cocoon, be it butterfly or moth or monster, I was going to name it Starburst. <laughs> I, ho I hobbled back to the gas station, tossed one last look over my shoulder at the dumpster to see that one of the raccoons was stuffing the cocoon into his mouth. It devoured the whole thing in a couple of bites before making eye contact with me and dashing off into the woods. Carlos came into the store for his late shift and asked how I was feeling. I told him that the pain was tolerable. He nodded, like that was the kind of answer he was looking for, and I went back to reading my book. A few minutes later, the man with the beard came into the gas station. I almost didn't recognize him as the same man that went off into the woods after the creature he called an anglerfish. 
he had lost a lot of weight. His beard wasn't nearly as well kept, and he smelled like he bathed in a tub of pee that someone farted in. Hey, I said when he came in. You're still alive. Cool. Did I mention that the man was holding a pistol when he walked in? <laughs> the thought crossed my mind for the briefest moment that I, I wonder what happened to his big gun. I didn't have time to ask. He quickly found the locks on the door, used them, and then covered the short distance to my register, gun extended, and aimed at my face. I told you not to go outside. You're lucky you're even alive. He screamed before grabbing the storefront and yanking it out of the wall. He threw it to the ground with a loud, satisfying smash and asked, Who else is in this building? Well, um, let me see, I said, thinking. There's you, me, and probably the other cashier unless he went into town again. I saw the one other car out there, Toyota. That's yours? Uh, no, no, that's gotta be Carlos. Right on cue, Carlos walked out from the back and froze at the sight of the bearded man, still pointing a gun at my face. Carlos might have been tempted to take action if he hadn't been carrying a 50-pound bag of corn over his shoulder. What gas station sells 50-pound bags of corn? Uh, a gas station on the other side. Fuck! Town. 50 pounds, dude. <laughs> That's a lot of corn. I think that, like a can of corn is a lot. That's like not even a pound. 50 fucking pounds of corn. <laughs> Maybe it's for feed. Maybe it's for animals. Uh, oh, that's true. Animals. That's oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The farmer. That's right. Oh, yes, okay. My God, context is important. <laughs> Instead, he just raised his free hand and said softly, Hey, man, we don't want no trouble. If you're after the cash, go ahead and take it. Ain't no heroes here. The bearded man laughed in an obnoxious way and said, Well, there's at least one. My name is Benjamin, and I'm here to save your sorry asses. Carlos and I made eye contact. A lot can be conveyed <laughs> in just an instant if you know the person you're looking at. He was trying like to see... Chris Hansen. <laughs> Take a seat, why not? Just, you? why don't you sit down? I have the chat logs here. <laughs> She's 12 years old, John. <laughs> and you came over here to do what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop. Oh, God. The way he just talks. I love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come in, in. Come on in. I made some cookies. They're on the counter for you. You want some soda? I'm just going to go in the back to change my bra. Okay, I'll be right back. Take a seat. Why don't you? <laughs> Chris Hansen comes out in the bra. That would be great. Take a seat. Uh, oh, my God. That's just great. Okay. Okay. Uh, a lot can happen when you know, uh, yeah. you know the person you're looking at. Okay. <laughs> Carlos. Yes. He, he was trying he was, to see. <laughs> he, he was trying to see what I wanted to do. I was trying to tell him to relax. This was neither the worst nor the weirdest thing to happen in the room. Or in that room. Okay. I said. What do you need us to do, Benjamin? There's something evil under the gas station and nobody is leaving here until I understand what it is because I know that someone is working with that thing I've seen it in my dreams I know you have to well he was wrong about one thing 
Right then, Marlboro walked out of the dry storage closet, stretching and yawning. Benjamin snapped him into a chokehold before he knew what was going on and jammed the gun against his head. Are you listening to me? Benjamin screamed. I just told you that the world as you know it is just a facade. There's a devil here, and one of you is working for him. He looked at both of us for some kind of reaction, but I don't think he got the one he was looking for. I just shrugged and said, Neat. Right then, Marlboro surprised the pants off of everybody by half yelling, half laughing. Let's do this! I'm not afraid to die! Before reaching up, <laughs> grabbing the gun pressed against his head, and pulling the trigger. I've seen a lot of weird stuff working at that shitty gas station. I've been nearly killed once or twice. I've watched the same guy die over and over in front of me. I've seen things that may or may not be real because I can't dream and sometimes I wonder if my mind is making up for that in other ways. I've seen ball lightning, people with blue skin, a man with two heads, a talking dog, and an elvish impersonator that may have been a little too convincing. I've seen so much weird stuff in that room. But this was the first time I ever saw a look of surprise like that on anybody's face. And it was absolutely priceless. What? What, what the hell is wrong with you people? Benjamin said, backing away from us. Ain't nothing wrong with us, said Marlboro, relieved to be free of the headlock. What the hell is wrong with your gun? How did you know I was out of ammo? I didn't. There was a loud thud as Carlos dropped the sack of corn. He was the next to talk. I think maybe you should just get out of here, pal, while you still can. Afraid... I can't do that. Benjamin responded. Not until this thing is dead. And not until I... I heard a wet thunk before I saw anything. Before Benjamin went limp and hit the ground. When my eyes caught up to the situation, I hoped that what I was seeing was a hallucination. But the look of fear on Carlos's face told me that this wasn't the case. The man standing behind Benjamin, holding a bloodied shovel... The man that just saved our bacon was smiling a toothy, delighted smile that he only ever made after inflicting the kind of pain he just, he'd just inflicted. Hey, Jack, said Spencer Middleton. You miss me. He stuck Carlos and Marlboro in the walk-in freezer. Marlboro is and always has been a go-with-the-flow kind of guy, so he went into the freezer voluntarily. <laughs> Carlos put up a fight, which is why he ended up bruised and bloody and barely clinging to consciousness. From what I could see, Benjamin looked like he might be dead. <laughs> At best, he was out cold in a slowly spreading pool of his own blood. Spencer pulled a couple of chairs out of the storage and placed them both in front of the cash register facing one another. He made me hobble over and sit down in one, and then he spun the other around to sit on it backwards like a cool school teacher from the 90s. I just want you to know, he said, I'm not mad at you, and neither is he. He wanted me to relay that message. Spencer's face still had specks of blood on it from when he had beaten the shit out of Carlos. Um, your boss, I said? Yeah. 
he was upset at you for what you did to Kiefer and wanted me to show you what happens to bad children. You were supposed to meet him, but then that got all uh, cocked up, huh? I guess it just wasn't my time to die, I answered. That's when the smile faded from Spencer's face. He shook his head at me and said, Die? No, 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 no. You weren't supposed to die. You can't die. We need you. I saw some movement behind Spencer, but tried not to break eye contact. It was Benjamin. He was alive, and right now my best shot at getting out of this. He was moving slowly on the ground, regaining consciousness, but miraculously not making any noise. I tried to keep Spencer distracted. Your boss. Tell me more about him. How did he find you? Who is he? Spencer chuckled. <laughs> oh, he's got a lot of names. But you'll meet him soon enough, and this time we will not be interrupted. And my friends? I don't care. They can join us. They can die. It makes no difference. By the way, Jack, I wanted to ask... Did you guys ever figure out who placed that bomb? I laughed softly. <laughs> yeah, the police took it. They know it was you. They know everything. Well, almost everything. Okay, in the grand scheme of things, they know very little, but they do know that you tried to kill me and you put a bomb in the gas station. Spencer shook his head again. <sighs> Wrong on both accounts. If I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. And a bomb? Seriously. Not my style. I think he had more to say to me, but I'll never know, because right then, Benjamin yanked his head back and wiped a blade, sorry, a knife blade, the size of a large chihuahua across his neck, neatly slicing his head halfway off. Blood erupted out in a couple spurts, then stopped, and Spencer Middleton was no more. That's what you get, taunted Benjamin, as he flung Spencer's lifeless body onto the floor, his blood pouring out and mixing with all the rest. It was going to suck forever to clean all this up. <laughs> when we opened the freezer, we found that Marlboro had gone all bad nurse on Carlos, sticking clumps of frozen meat all over his face. For the swelling! I made us a fresh pot of coffee. We took seats around the table by the window. Just in case a nosy passerby decided to pass by, we put a tarp over Spencer and moved the wet floor sign next to it. For about half an hour, we all just sat and drank coffee in a pregnant silence. When we were all done with our third cups, Carlos finally spoke. His jaw was swollen to hell, but he was still able to pronounce his words with only minor difficulty. So, why haven't we called the cops yet? This was clearly self-defense. I've got the face to prove it. Yeah, said Benjamin after some length, lengthy deliberation. Yeah, let's call them. That would be good. But tomorrow, you and me need to have a serious talk, Jack. I called Arnold from the only phone in the building with any reception. Spencer's cell. The deputy listened to what I told him. 
just the most basic and simplified version of what had happened that night. And he said he would be on his way right after he got out of bed and put some clothes on. I called the Anders next, and they were not very happy. They told me next time I should call them first. Next time? <laughs> right now, the others are at the booth, at their booth, staring out the window, and I'm sitting on my laptop documenting the night, while the memories are still fresh. I know this isn't over yet. I think the gas station is going to have to close for a day or two, but when it opens again, I'll be here, writing my journals and doing my best Yo, nice. to ignore anyone who walks through those doors. I guess that this means they fly now? They fly now! They fly now! NBC! <laughs> they fly now! Uh, Sorry, to, this means it's <laughs> to be continued. Except we already have the next part because uh, Reddit uh, exists uh, a different way than this guy thinks. So, um, do you want to keep reading as narrator? Or do you I like switch it. Off? I'm really digging the character. I feel like I vibe with him. I feel like it's like a, my type. I will let you continue. Oh, bless your heart. I'm having fun doing this. Bless place. your heart. It's been about an hour since my last post. We haven't had any customers yet, and if the gas station weren't an active crime scene, I might have asked one of the other employees to squeegee the large pool of blood into the drains by the cooler. I don't know what Arnold's personal grooming routine looks like, and I have to assume he spends at least 20 minutes a day in mustache prep, but even factoring that, that in, he should have made it to the gas station by now. I called him a few minutes ago to make sure he hadn't gone back to bed and to make sure I hadn't imagined the phone call in the first place. Conversation went something like this. Yeah? Hey, Arnold. You on your way? Sit tight. We had a little emergency. Okay. The road between town and you is blocked off. Okay. Which one? All of them. Even the service roads. It must have been a freak storm. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. All the roads are covered in trees. But they aren't, you know, fallen. The trees are growing in the middle of the street. I've been trying to find a way all around all morning, but I've given up. I'm about to head through on foot. Just to be clear, you said you heard from Spencer Middleton last night. Has he made any other contact? Well, actually, he's here. He came in and some stuff happened, and now he's dead. What? You're telling me there's a dead body at the gas station? I already told him all this. Man, I really miss Tom. Did you not realize that? I'm sorry, he answered. When the phone rang earlier, I had just woken up from this beautiful, weird dream of a dark god calling me into his eternal grace, taking me by the hand, guiding me <laughs> into blessed oblivion, freeing me from all the pain and suffering of this mortal prison, nurturing me like a child, and inviting the world into a realm of higher existence, allowing me the privilege to devote myself to his glorious servitude. Okay, I said. I guess I'll see you when you get here. <laughs> <laughs> I ended the call and checked the charge on the phone. The battery was sitting close to 50%. What's the deal, Lucille? Asked Benjamin. Arnold is on his way here on foot, 
but we might have another problem. Holy shit, you guys see that? Carlos asked, pointing out the window. I couldn't quite make it, make it out from where I was seated behind the counter, and I didn't feel like hobbling over a corpse just for a look. What is it? I asked. There's a bunch of naked people out on the <laughs> road walking this way. Carlos answered. The hell you say? Said Marlboro, who had suddenly taken interest. He pressed his face against the window for a better look. Those aren't just any people. I know them. That's that's Marla and Tyler, and there goes Fred. At least those were the names I gave them. Benjamin crossed to the frozen drink machine, throwing over his shoulder a quick, They friends of yours? Family, actually. Well, they were anyway before they disappeared, but I don't remember them looking like that. Like what? I asked, starting to get an uneasy feeling. Like... He, he took a second to find the words, but all he came up with was, They look funny. They continued walking closer to the gas station. Close enough by now that oh, I could see them. At least a dozen people stark naked. The closer they got, the more details I can make out. And the more I wish I could. Not normal, but average. Average genitals. Quite average. Their eyes were milky and pale. Their scrotum, milky, milky and, and pale. pale. <laughs> Their breasts, milky and pale. The maggots crawling out of infested crevices, milky and pale. Every single urethra, milky and pale. That's when I realized they were all... Milky. Milk. Milk. <laughs> <laughs> Milk people. That's a good. That's a good milk idea. Milk people. The milk people. The cream. <laughs> no, it's just the stuff. Shit. Uh, we 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 were like forty years behind on that. <laughs> okay, where are we? Uh, milky and pale. Maggots crawling out <laughs> okay. of the infested crevices, all over their bodies. Their skin dirty and covered in lesions and bruises. Marlboro was certainly not wrong. They looked funny. I'm sure you know the Hollywood-style zombie walk, the shuffle of an undead body with impaired motor skills. The scariest part of these people approaching the front doors of the gas station was that they were walking 100% perfectly normal, just a bunch of decaying nudists out for a stroll. There was a loud crash that snapped us out of our probably rude staring. We all turned to see that Benjamin had pulled the frozen drink machine to the ground. He was attempting to drag it over Spencer towards the front doors. The sticky syrup concoction spilled out all over the ground, mixing with the congealed blood and coating the floor in a red and brown and purple viscous soup. There's no way we won't have an insect problem after this. Marlboro and Carlos didn't have to ask what was going on. They instantly knew the plan and began yanking down whatever fixtures weren't bolted in and piling them, piling them up in a, in a barricade against the glass doors. I would have helped if it weren't for this broken leg. Besides, it looks like they've got this under control. You boys think you can stay alive long enough for help to arrive? Benjamin asked. We've almost 90 years experience staying alive between the three of us. Carlos jumped. Benjamin directed his next question to me. You got any weapons in this place? I told him no. The only thing I have is a half dent half The only thing I have is a half-empty canister of gasoline in the supply closet and some really hard jerky. But he was, welcome to, he was welcome to whatever he could find. 
And that's when he started MacGyvering some spears out of chair legs and broken glass from the drink case. About 10 minutes ago, the gas station lost power. Now really would be a great time to have a giant pet glow-in-the-dark butterfly. <laughs> Stupid raccoons. Starburst! It's been pretty quiet, save for the wet guttural whispering coming from those people outside. Benjamin is still searching for weapons, while Carlos finds things to push against the front door, and assuming he hasn't fallen asleep. Marlboro has taken the back door. I was feeling pretty useless after Benjamin confiscated my crutches, so I figured I would take this opportunity to type up the account of what happened, just in case Arnold gets here too late. And in the spirit of preparedness, I should say a few things to whoever finds this message. Or is it whomever? I can never get that right. First, to the owners. Oh, I'm sorry about the mess. Second, to her. I'm sorry we didn't run into each other one last time. Third, to whomever keeps dumping tar into the ditch outside of the gas station. I hate you. <laughs> I guess that's all I have to say. It's been a weird, crazy ride. This is Jack from the gas station. Signing off one last time. I didn't die! <laughs> Sorry, it, it's been so long since the last update. I just got my laptop back from the police. Special thanks to whoever gilded me, by the way. I don't know what to do with with red gold, but it brings warmth to my soul. My soul. I know you guys are probably wondering what happened. Well, last week, I met a dark god. <laughs> We were in that gas station with power for hours, or without power for hours. It's it's cold this time of year, so we. Jeez, Louise, excuse me. It's cold this time of year, so we huddled together around a plate of scented candles <laughs> and ate pork rinds and canned beans. Marlboro almost dozed off a couple times before Carlos decided to loot the energy pills behind the counter. He handed them out, and we all took a few, washing them down with a cold coffee, telling ourselves it was for alertness. All they did for me was create a heartbeat arrhythmia. That sure would be funny if those things finally broke in here just to find the four of us dead from heart attacks. Well, not funny, you know. Carlos tried to strike up a conversation with Benjamin a couple times. The bearded man was not very social. You army? Nah. I knew a guy. He was a ranger in the army. You reminded me of him. All right. Those things out there? Any idea what we're dealing with? You ever see anything like that before? Nah. You got any family? <laughs> nah. I checked Spencer's phone throughout the day, but it wasn't getting any service anymore. I tried 911 a few times, but even that wouldn't go through. When the battery got to 5%, I turned it off. We might need it later for an emergency call. Eventually, the adrenaline and pills started to wear off, and I remembered that my leg was still healing from a complex fracture, and maybe I shouldn't have agreed to come back to work so soon. I did the cripple walk back to the front desk to grab my meds. While I was there, I spotted the still unopened gift-wrapped package on the shelf beneath the register. I decided to ignore it and instead grabbed the employee whiskey bottle that was behind it. We told ourselves it was for our nerves, but all it did for me was give me an even worse heartbeat arrhythmia. A few more hours passed. After we killed the first bottle, we opened another. Then Marlboro got into the energy drinks because we needed mixers. 
at some point, the former cultist pulled out this his stash and lit a joint, and without asking, might I add, turned the whole station into a hot box. I couldn't remember if I'd taken my pain meds yet, so I went ahead and took them. As the sun started to set, I had two thoughts competing for first place in my mind. First, it sure is getting dark early these days, and second, I think we might be getting a little too fucked up to handle what's about to happen. <laughs> Time became even more illusory than normal once the laptop died, and we had no way of knowing how long we'd been waiting. We started measuring the time in candles. Our snack food and morale raised each other to depletion. At some point, Carlos got me away from the others to ask what I thought about Benjamin. I told him he was the nicest guy that had ever pointed the gun in my face all week. But Carlos told me that he had a weird feeling about him. I reminded Carlos that he had killed Kiefer a couple times and maybe he should get off his high horse. Hey! Benjamin yelled at us from across the room. What are you two talking about? Anime. I lied. <laughs> I think he bought it. Get back over here. I don't need any more dead bodies piling up tonight. Benjamin was in the corner, warming his hands over the candle plate. It was the only light source in the building, and was casting shadows that could maybe be described as spooky if I weren't in such a serious life-or-death situation. Some of those shadows looked like faces, smiling, laughing at us, idiots. One or two looked like old presidents. One of them asked me what time it was, and holy crap, I was tripping. You okay, man? Carlos asked, snapping me back into reality. I honestly have no idea. Did you ever figure out who placed that bomb? Asked Spencer Middleton in a gurgle. What do you mean? I thought, I thought you did it. Not me. Bombs aren't my style. Who do you know that can build a bomb? Hey, where's Marlboro? I asked. Benjamin picked up his spear, formerly my crutch that he had uh, paracorded his knife to, and asked, Who the hell is Marlboro? Is there someone else here? Marlboro, the other employee? I looked at Carlos, who just... Sh uh, so oh, you do. No, it's, uh, Marlboro, the other employee. I looked at Carlos, who just shrugged and said, I don't know no Marlboro. How many of them pills did you take? Had I imagined Marlboro this entire time? <laughs> did I just... Tyler Durden, this guy, into existence? I tried to sit down on the tarp, but it, it turned into me lying on my back while the room spun. I could feel the human debris squish beneath the tarp fabric as I rested my head. How much of any of this was real anyway? You're losing it, you know. I know. All those years ago, the first doctor tried to prepare me for life without for life with my condition. There weren't that many other cases before me, so they didn't know exactly how everything would play out. But every case had a few of the same side effects. Of course there would be weight loss, fatigue, headaches, all of the signs of a normal physical illness early on. As the condition developed, there would be more interesting side effects. Hallucinations, memory loss, the works. 
And of course, I can't be properly anesthetized. 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 Jeez, I never even used that in that past uh-huh. participle uh-huh. version. They tried in other cases to induce medical comas, but that just messed things up further. I'm always wide awake and halfway lucid during surgery. If you want to know what that's like, I'll tell you the truth. It's boring. You know what? Usually when I hurt someone bad enough, they pass out from the pain. They gave me a couple years tops. I haven't been keeping track of time. Right then, Marlboro walked into the room, zipping up his fly. Presumably he had just come from the bathroom, but who really knows? I pointed at him and yelled, That guy! You see him, right? It's Marlboro! Carlos looked where I was pointing, then back at me. What? You mean Jerry? Oh. (laughs) That's right, he has a real name. I hate it when he calls me Marlboro. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin set the improvised spear down and turned his attention back to the fire. You better get him under control. (laughs) You should open your package said Spencer. Hey, uh, wait a second. Aren't you supposed to be dead? Well, aren't you supposed to be dead? He said back. (laughs) Touché, Spencer. (laughs) Who are you talking to? Asked Carlos. Spencer, I answered. Well, stop that. It's freaking us out. Two gandals. Gandals? the fuck are gandals? Gandals. What in the motherfuck are gandals? It's like, uh, grandma-shaped candles. <laughs> gandals. <laughs> Look at them, oh, too. Sm- it smells like meatloaf. Oh, this one smells like mothballs. Get your bitch-ass gandal fucking cooked, This bitch. one smells like my, my Gam Gam's perfume that she wore before she died. <laughs> gandals. Buy them today. Sponsored by Chris Hansen. You realize uh, that Gandals uh, <laughs> pedophile. God damn it. <laughs> Two candles burned from start to finish before Benjamin decided that help was not on the way. And our best chance of survival was to fight it out with the things in- outside. I disagreed. But Benjamin informed me in his own polite way that it wasn't up for vote. He peeled back the layers of the barricade just enough to get a view of the outside. Once we knew what we were dealing with, we would come up with a better game plan. Only, he couldn't actually get a good look outside because something was blocking the view. Something just on the other side of the glass doors. Benjamin yanked the rest of the barricade down, took a few steps back to marvel at it. Well... You don't see that every day, said Jerry. Nope, I can't do it. I'm sorry, his name is Marlboro. We were trapped there inside the gas station. On the other side of the doors, a network of trees had grown together, twisted into knots, pressed against the glass. They were so densely pressed into a single wall of tree trunks that not even light could get through. For all we know, it could have been daytime outside. We have to get out of here, said Benjamin. We checked the back door, but it was the same thing. 
I often wondered how long a person could survive inside the gas station without any new supplies coming in. I had run the scenario in my head a million times. On boring nights, what else is there to do? I had run the thought experiment for countless different contexts. How long could I survive if the gas station were transported back in time, to another planet, if there was a zombie apocalypse, etc.? What I had deduced was that under ideal circumstances, I could live off of the supplies on hand for four years if I could find a source of water. Six weeks, if not. These were not ideal circumstances. We had already smashed up, weaponized, or eaten almost all of our supplies. If we were trapped here, it wouldn't take long for us to go all Donner party on each other. While I was pondering this in the hallway by the cooler, we heard the sound of glass shattering from the main room. Benjamin raised his spear and led the way back. The wall of trees was still there on the other side of the doors. Our mess was still there. Everything was as if we had left... Everything was as it, as we left it with one exception. The tarp was pulled back and Spencer's body was gone. A series of footprints coagulated in blood, leading from where he had been or where he should have been, to the shattered glass of the front door. Like he had just gotten up, walked over, and was absorbed into the trees. I need you boys to think real hard, Benjamin said. Is there any other way out of this place? Well, Marlboro started. I shot him a look and shook my head, but I guess he couldn't see it in the dim candlelight. Or maybe he was just too dense to understand. There is that hole. Hole? What hole? The hole in the secret room. Back here, past the cooler. Secret room? Yeah, right over here. Marlboro pointed at the blank space on the wall where the door used to be. The owners had decided that the smartest thing they could do when they found out about the secret room was remove the door, build a good old-fashioned wall, and forget all about it. But that only works if everyone agrees to forget all about it, Marlboro. You're telling me that there's a secret room behind there and a hole in that room that we can maybe fit inside and escape? Why didn't you boys tell me this earlier? He didn't wait for an answer. Benjamin went straight to the wall and started smashing it to pieces with his spear. And then, after he got it down a little, his bare hands. After a while, the wall was once again a door. While Benjamin lit and placed a few candles around the giant hole in the floor, I grabbed Carlos and pulled him aside. Hey, I said, I should tell you something. I opened that package, the one that looked like a present. Yeah? He said, yeah. I'm not sure at what point I'd finally crack. Or I'm not sure at what point I'd finally cracked and opened it, but I had been carrying around the content of the box in my pocket for at least one candle. Just like the last package, there was a note with this one. It read, I didn't expect you to use my letter as part of this story, but thanks, lol. I didn't mind you using it. That was very neat. I liked it. I was very surprised. Thank you. I enjoyed your stories, and I knew it could be really great from the beginning. That's why I wrote what I did. I was surprised, but in a good way that you used my letter. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. Really honored. Underneath that letter was a small handgun. I knew enough about pistols from playing video games to know how to check the clip, and sure enough, it was loaded. 
I showed the gun to Carlos, who said, Oh, that's a Ruger 380. Is that good? Well, it's a gun, so it'll probably have more stopping power than a chair leg. Why didn't you give it to him? Carlos gestured at our fearless leader. I don't know or trust him. This is a good point. Here, I said, trying to hand it over. I'm not a gun guy. No way, S.A. You keep it. I got both legs. You need it more than me. Benjamin yelled to us from the secret room. Y'all ready or what? Time to see what's down here. Then he jumped in. I may have neglected to mention that it was a ten-foot drop to the cave floor below. I also may have taken a little pleasure in the sound of him crash-landing and the pain moan that followed. For the rest of us, we rolled up a tarp, put some knots into it like a poor man's rope ladder. And I have to give credit to tarps. Those things are incredibly useful. We had spent hours above ground in a room with a dead body, on refrigerated food, and Benjamin's body odor. We were all eating canned beans, and I think somebody probably threw up in a garbage can. My point is this. We were all smelling pretty bad, to the point where I was doubting that I still had any sense of smell. But once we went into that hole, I knew for a fact that we hadn't. The smell down there made our gas station funk seem like cologne. The very worst, putrid odors from the storm drains around the station were nothing compared to this. Is it possible for a smell to be heavy? Because that's the best word I can think of. Not thick, just heavy. Carlos and Marlboro took turns barfing. <laughs> when they were done, Benjamin handed out the torches he had made from gasoline-soaked racks and chair legs. I don't know what, what that guy's deal is, but he sure is crafty. The cave was a straight tunnel starting under the gas station and heading away from town. It was plenty tall enough for all of us to stand comfortably, and there was a slight incline taking us downhill as we walked further into that hole. What the hell is this? Benjamin asked about 20 feet. He waved his torch at the wall, and I saw that somebody had spray-painted the message on the cave wall in red. It said in shaky handwriting, Rita the raccoon ate the cocoon. I said it a few times in my head and was pissed off at just how close I came to rhyming, but it didn't. Like a song, slightly off-key. The handwriting was eerily familiar, especially that capital R, but I couldn't remember why. It read of the raccoon ate the cocoon is the R-R-T-R-A-T-C on on his cast. Whoever wrote that wrote it down here, too. Maybe it was even the raccoon itself. Ew. There's another lawn gnome on the ground beneath it. Oh, wait. Let me see. Uh, There was another lawn gnome on the ground beneath it. We continued further into the cave. So the lawn gnomes wrote on his cast, Rita the raccoon ate the cocoon. (laughs) Benjamin, way ahead of us, me bringing up the tail, hobbling along the best I could with just a single crutch. The deeper we went, the narrower the cave, the stronger the smell. Nothing about being down here, away from the gas station, felt like an improvement from our previous situation. But it wasn't until we made it to the tree that I really decided that we had messed up. I don't know how long we had been walking down there. Maybe a half mile or so. Crutch miles feel a lot longer than normal miles. But we eventually came upon an enormous black tree taking up the width of the cave. 
It looked like one of those thousand-year-old sequoias, big enough to put a two-lane road through. Holy she it, enunciated Benjamin. I was the last to see what everyone else was wide-eyed and gawking at. The tree, in addition to being enormous, had some characteristics that you wouldn't expect a tree to have. Specifically, human body parts. A few arms and legs poking out at random spots, and right at eye level, a human face. Hey! Said Marlboro. I know that guy. It's Patrick. He touched Patrick's face, and it peeled off and plopped to the ground like a wet Halloween mask. I don't think he's gonna make it. Benjamin said as he pulled something out of his jacket pocket and stuck it to the tree. What is that? I asked. Surprisingly, it was Marlboro who answered. That looks like C4 plastic explosives to me. Benjamin chuckled. Wow, you win the prize for that one, Rain Man. Yeah, it's the last of my explosives. I've been trying to kill this thing piece at a time for the last week, but it just keeps growing back. I have to kill the root system, blow it up, and kill the brain so the rest of the network will die. That was you that put the bomb in the gas station, I said. Yeah, well, back then I thought the building was the epicenter of this whole thing. Hey, interrupted Carlos. Jack was still in the building when you planted that. I know. Um, guys? Marlboro tried to get their attention, but it wasn't working. You knew? He would have died if that thing went off. Guys? Look, assholes. This is war. And in war, there are casualties. You can't make peanut butter without smashing a few nuts. Hey, guys! What? Screamed Benjamin. I'm a little busy. Marlboro pointed back the way we came. We all turned to see Spencer standing in the middle of the path, a wicked smile on his face. Hi, miss me. Carlos screamed at me. Jack, the gun! I pulled the weapon out of my pocket and chucked it as hard <laughs> as I could. It smacked Spencer right in the face and he fell over. I was very proud for the two seconds it took me to realize that I had done that wrong. What came next almost happened too quickly for me to comprehend. Something burst out of the wall next to us. An enormous object the size of a car and most and mostly hand-shaped. It wrapped its giant fingers around the other three and pulled them into the wall. And then I was falling. The earth had opened up below me and I was sliding through a dark tunnel. No, I was being pulled. More like swallowed, really? It went for a while, dirt filling my nose and ears and mouth. And then whatever it was spat me into a pitch black room onto a rocky wet piece of ground. I landed on my bad leg and probably broke it again. Well, I thought at least this time I managed to hit Spencer. As far as last moments on Earth go, this one was a slight improvement over last week. The room I was in was cool, not cold, and cavernous. I could hear my breath echoing off the walls. I could almost or I, I could also hear something else breathing. All at once, I became aware of another presence down here. Take a seat, why don't you? It's 12 years old up there. I have the chat logs. <laughs> I have the chat logs. 
It just says asterisk has he heavy breathing. John! Heavy breathing, heavy breathing. <laughs> All at once, I became aware of another presence down there. An entity in the room with me. It's hard to explain. In the same way I remember it being hard to explain a dream right after you wake up. It's something you have to experience to understand. But the feeling was something like being plugged into a shared consciousness with another intelligence that was putting thoughts directly into my head. Of course, it might have just been all drugs. Welcome to my home. Came a loud voice from somewhere in the pitch black room. I'm sorry it's taken this long for us to meet. Face to face. I can't see anything. Yeah, what part of Dark God don't you understand? Oh, shit. I'm in the throne room of a Dark God, and he sounds like an internet troll. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Where does well get this over with? Do you think you could maybe turn on some lights so I can actually see who I'm talking to? He let out a very human-sounding sigh and exclaimed. Fine. Out of nowhere, the entire room turned into an intense, furious, bright white. All I could see was pure light. I covered my eyes, but even then I could see the bones of my hands through my eyelids. Even with the meds, that shit hurt. Too bright! Too bright! I yelled. Split the difference! Wow. Responded the voice. I didn't realize that you were going to be such a big baby. And then, just as suddenly, the brightness relented. After a moment, my pupils adjusted, and I could see what I was. I could see what I had been talking to. Behold! It exclaimed. And tremble before the dark god. He, if it was a he, I'm just going off the sound of the voice, was about the size of an elephant, swollen and round with a tanned yellow hide. The best animal I could think of to compare him to would be an enormous tick, with six rows of stubby arms on either side, six rows of sagging breasts, and a human-sized head on the top. The head contained a somewhat human face and no neck. The body connected to the earth at the widest point of its stomach, like it was half buried. And to top the whole thing off, he had a red mohawk. He smiled at me. Eh, hey, what do you think? About what? My hair. Isn't it amazing? He looked up at his mohawk. I guess. You guess? Do you have any idea how much effort I put into doing my hair like this? You know what? It's fine. I shouldn't have wasted my time trying to impress you. That's on me. Okay, I said, attempting to push myself to my feet, only to remember that my leg was pretty broken. I was immobilized, underground, high, and without any weapons. There really was no chance of escape. If you're going to kill me, do you mind just getting it over with? What is it with you people? 
so untrusting, so prejudiced. Why is it that any time you see something you don't understand, you think it's kill or be killed? I'm not the monster here, you are. I can see into your fucking soul. <laughs> I've seen your sins. Remember that time you were 15 and you keyed the principal's car? No. Really? Maybe that wasn't you. Humans all look a lot alike. Why am I here? Why did you drag me underground? Because, Jack, I can't find any other way of talking to you. And I wanted to tell you to stop killing my children. You've burned up so many of us. And what did we ever do to you, huh? The kefir plants. Yeah, just backups. Because that idiot is so clumsy. They're harmless, though. I've been trying to put some people in office so I can get a little political influence in this <laughs> awful town. To take over the world? I asked, even though I was starting to see where this conversation was going. No! I want to pressure the city council to cut back on logging. <laughs> I'm trying to save the world. But you and your awful friends keep killing us and trying to blow me up. But Spencer, he, he, uh, he, he beat the shit out of me. That guy is awful and he's following your orders. Well, excuse me for thinking that people have the potential to be rehabilitated. I hired Spencer because I needed someone to protect Kiefer, and I gave him very specific orders not to kill anyone, which he agreed to. But... But you've killed tons of people, the cultists, their entire compound. Yeah, actually, no. I hate to be the one to say this, but those guys killed themselves. Yeah, it was really sad mass suicide. But if you listen to them, I think it was pretty obvious. You guys should have seen it coming from a mile away. I mean, consequentialism mixed with a moral obligation to end suffering. He waved one of his six arms in a jerk-off motion before continuing. I didn't want to let all those perfectly good, fully formed adult bodies go to waste. Do you even know how hard it is to make one of those from scratch? It's not easy. But you sent those things after us at the gas station. Again, with the self-centered hero complex. It was never about you. I sent my children to bring Spencer's body back here. I was hoping I could get him home in time to rebuild him without any permanent brain damage. I think next time you see him, you should apologize for what happened. I swear, ever since Romero made zombies cool, people see a dead man come back to life and instantly they get this urge to kill, kill, kill. 
whatever happened to calling this a miracle? <laughs> Nobody freaked out when Jesus came back. Are you saying that, that Jesus was like those mathematists? Just a reanimated corpse? Is this really what you want to talk about, Jack? But doesn't dark god mean, like, evil? He sighed. <sighs> the last time I was awake, dark god had a completely different connotation. But you can't use my branding as your excuse for burning up Kiefer. You ask me? You deserved the ass whooping you got. But I searched my mind for any proof that the Dark God was the monster I knew him to be. But the only thing I could come up with was a sad, icy cold realization. We're the monsters? I'm afraid so. I'm sorry. Good. That's a start. So, uh, th uh this is it? You're the reason for all the weird stuff going on here at the gas station? He laughed again and wiggled his head, which I took for his versions of shaking no. No, I'll be honest with you. I have no clue what half of these things are. Your gas station is weird, and even I do not know why. <laughs> the hand plants and kefirs were me. The smell... I'll fess up. That's me too. But all that other stuff, man, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. You know that weird glowing worm bug thing? <laughs> that was pretty weird, huh? <laughs> so, what do we do now? Now, I send you and your friends back home. And you quit killing me. That's my deal. Can we agree to that? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Good. Should we shake on it? Or... At that moment, an enormous hand burst out of the wall and wrapped its fingers tightly around me. Next thing I knew, I was coughing up dirt, down on all fours in the street outside of the gas station. It was morning. Oh, good, said Benjamin. You made it out, too. I looked over and saw the other three standing there, covered in black dirt. I was back where it started. The trees were all gone, leaving no sign that they were ever even there in the first place. Gas station was a wreck, front doors were smashed out, and the raccoons were excitedly running a loot train for whatever edibles they could carry from the front to their nest behind back. What happened, man? said Carlos. I'm not really sure, I answered, digging the clumps of dirt out of my nose and ears. Well, you're lucky. Your friends made me wait a few minutes to give you a chance to get out. I looked at my hands. They were nearly all black from all the layers of dirt coating them. Wait for what? I asked. For this. Benjamin answered as he pressed the button on his remote detonator. Oh no. Oh no. Somewhere deep in the woods came an explosion that rocked the earth and sent birds flying into the sky. Carlos's car alarm went off and the pavement cracked. A black cloud... Oh, Jesus Christ. A black cloud slowly started to fill the sky, and I felt something inside my mind scream and die. 
<laughs> See, I like, I like, just immediately cut to like the cockroach god under the earth going, "Well, shit." <laughs> <laughs> well, said Benjamin, "My work here is done. If you don't mind, I'm gonna get lost before the five O shows up." And then he walked off into the forest, hopefully never to be seen again. And that's what happened. If you can believe it, I'm back at the gas station working again. Arnold is on personal leave from the police force, and I didn't care to ask for details, so we have a new deputy babysitting us. I'll tell you all about her another time, maybe. The police investigated the incident and ultimately concluded that we were victims of hysteria brought on by a gas leak, and once again, there was nothing supernatural to be reported. I don't know if this is the end for the Dark God, but I do know that I haven't felt any compulsions to continue digging ever since Benjamin blew up the underground tree. Things are settling back into our brand of normal. I still work way too much. I'm still keeping a journal. And weird things still happen at the shitty gas station at the edge of town. In fact, just yesterday, people started reporting that they had seen something in the woods that looked like an enormous raccoon with bat wings, stealing small animals before flying off into the forest. They even, they even said this winged raccoon monster glows in the dark. Marlboro just said, or Marlboro just came up to me and asked, You know, there's a guy in the bathroom dressed like a cowboy. I assured him that I did not know that. This may be the last update for a while. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of work putting this place back together, and I've got a whole new crew of part-timers to train. So until next time. That was Tales from the Gas Station. What an amazing, amazing intro to this series. You think so? I you're love this. You're thing. not being sarcastic? No, no I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Okay, good. I love this. I'm glad. This was this was so well written. It was, it was, my, it was my type of humor. <laughs> I'm glad so that good. you and I got to do something that wasn't... Um, I don't know. I'm just going to say altogether, like, way too serious. Like, yeah. you know, like, there yeah. were moments of levity in left-right game, you know. Uh, <laughs> we, Whistlers, we made those Whistlers was like, you know, the road, oh, you know, yeah. like, just watching people slowly die. It's yeah. excruciating. Um, left-right game got super sad near the end with all the character revelations and the self-sacrifice and, and all that Spire shit. And Spire was pretty... And then Spire was pretty... Was I would say and, mentally mentally depressing. And yeah, very much so. You know, adolescent, you know, problems and mistakes. Um where, whereas great. whereas for for what I feel like might be one of the first times where we actually read something together that actually has a sense of humor. I think I think this might be one of my favorites that I've that we've read. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad because it it definitely um I'd say it 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 reminds me a lot of the Satan story I read with Frowns, where the uh, the little girl writes a letter to Satan instead of Santa. She just spells it wrong, <laughs> and all of a sudden Satan like wants to be like a really cool stepdad to this girl, and um, you know it reminds me of that because you know like Satan's not serious at all. He's just like a guy trying to do his job, and he just like really appreciates the attention for all the hard work he does. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's very, like, ironic and and hyperbolic and shit. And, you know, like, there there is a, an element of that levity here, but, like, 
all in all, I'd say this is a better narrative. This is a better scope and a better context. It's, it's, it also reminded me a lot of the first story I read with Deputy Dewey and Punxsutawney Trill, which was the story about the kids just randomly stumbling upon the monster, uh, the creepy mo the creepy pasta monster, the rake, and they just joke about it looking like a dog for the first, like, couple pages that they see it. Like, this thing wants to eat them and kill them, and there's just, like, an Asian girl with a pineapple just saying, like, come with me if you want to live, like, <laughs> pulling all these, like, lines out of their ass, you know? <laughs> it's It has a sense of humor, and I'm glad that we can read something that's both mysterious and interesting, but also humorous, you know? We we also try to be funny on the show. I, I, I admit, like, I'm... I'm exhausted, and we've been doing so much in the last couple weeks that I haven't really been sleeping, but this series had, had brought a smile to my face. I was <laughs> I was happy to read this today. Thanks for because me really read that narrator. I, I, I really knew where you were feeling it. I identify with that character so much. I feel like my brother would have, too, because my brother actually did work a, a shitty little gas station job <laughs> when we were living back at my old house, and, and he was in high school. Like, that was his high school job. Like, I worked at a movie theater, he worked at a gas station. And it's just like, the, you know, the shit that you deal with working a minimum wage job like yeah. that, you know? Like, like, working at a movie theater, you run into certain amounts of tomfuckery, like, uh, someone died in the lobby, some kids, I, I caught some kids fucking in the back row of, uh, of a horror movie once, um, you know, uh, you, you get some, you get some weird shit, um, and, and, you know, a gas station definitely has a lot more, uh, foot traffic than a movie theater does, so I can only imagine the weird type of people you deal with, specifically when you live in, like, creepypasta spooksville so it's a it's a fun little narrative um tales from a gas station uh definitely gets a thumbs up from from me for being um just fun just being a fun read i i'm glad you liked it because i wrote down the sequel series oh, that yeah. we will that we will get into um i have a feeling that uh the next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna cover his christmas related stories and that's that's the revelation that I've come to reveal is that Tenron is going to be having some Christmas episodes, that's... and uh, Frowns is going to have to learn to share the seasonal joy because he's still going to get Christmas, but you're going to get a Christmas related series. All right. So it it is happening. It is it is going to happen. Okay. And and f from the size of it, I think we could do it in like one you know, one thick episode. Yeah. So, um, any other, like, uh, lingering thoughts? I kind of just, like, spewed out all of my feelings on the Gas Station series. I do hope, now, if the next series is not from, if it's from a different character's perspective. The Vanessa series, I'm, of, I'm under the interpretation that it might be about Benjamin. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna miss the tone that this narrator sets. Maybe. It could be I don't it could know. be good. It could I mean, be it could be all Jack. Yeah. Maybe Vanessa is the girl, the new cop that yeah, starts that in the about... He did say I was gonna talk about her later. I, I, so like it yeah. could be it could be the new cop that starts. I really and maybe did. he gets looped into like a mystery. Yeah. I really like the cast of characters 
from this this series. I did too. I I I think Benjamin is your creepypasta hero stereotype who just you know he he's on a mission. You know, Marlboro is your your comedic um, relief. Yeah. And Carlos is your just like unfortunate bystander, um, who who you know is just dragged into the same the same everyman shit of our of our lead character. I also thought Spencer was a very um, well written kind of foil for the main character. Like, essentially, the Dark yeah. God wanted the same thing out of Jack that it got out of Spencer, but uh-huh. never quite did it because of the person that Jack is and because of the person that Spencer is. Yeah. I'm sure Spencer gave in to the power and gave in to the influence and kind of fed off it parasitically, <laughs> whereas Jack is just like, nah, I'm good. It's just not, it's just not possible because he's got that condition. I don't care. I, I, I am excited to see them introduce a you know, girl into the story because I think that would also... That would also offer an interesting dynamic with this cast if they if they stay with the same cast. Yeah, I mean, um, the, based off of the the stuff we were looking at before before we started the series, like the fan art and shit, it definitely seemed like there were more characters that we didn't get to run into here. Um, I, I find that people kind of give this a um, a very teen aesthetic, like a very you know like. Uh, what was the the one picture we saw? It kind of looked like it was drawn by the same guy who did, like, Total Drama Island. Oh, okay. And, like, yeah, part yeah. of me was just like, that's not really the feel I'm getting. I'm getting more of a, like, young adult, like, s- scary story type of, type of feel. Like, the characters know their stereotypes, but, like, at the same time, they're still, you know, running full force with the stereotype that they are, you know? Like... I don't I don't imagine any of them as cushy or cute, you know. I still see it as pretty, you know, pretty gross, pretty disgusting. Um, you know, the shit that they're dealing with. I don't suppose I have any like art style in my mind necessarily, but like I don't I don't see it as cutesy wootsy as like the rest of the internet sees it. I... Which they do with every creepypasta monster all the time. Yeah. Like they, they make they make monsters in creepypasta look like f- fucking pets sometimes, you know? Like I don't I don't get it. But if I were to think of this as an animated series, I would think somewhere somewhere along the lines of like a fucked up Scooby Doo. Oh, it, it is kind of like a fucked up Scooby Doo. Actually that that helps me put it in like a frame of mind. It's a little bit like Venture Bros. Venture Bros. I don't know. Venture Bros. is uh, it's a fucked up version of all Hanna Barbera cartoons. Oh, like, okay. You know, like um, Johnny Quest. Oh, okay. Fantastic Four. Um, anything Marvel has done, it's it's just a it's just a fucked up version of all the cool '60s Hanna Barbera and like Marvel products you know they they physically have a character on the show who is dr strange but he's just like awful at his job (laughs) you know like they they hit all of the tropes essentially the main character of the venture brothers uh is uh their dad was johnny quest when he was a kid and now he's just grown up to be a complete ass backwards loser (laughs) so like it's just really funny how like you grow up with like an adventurous dad stereotype 
and you turn into like everything you hated about him as a person. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a very fun show because it's poking fun at itself, and so is this series. So it you know Adult Swim is definitely the right yeah. like like frame of mind for this for this series because there is drama, there is gore, there is monsters, there is mystery and suspense. And you know it it it's definitely it's definitely fun. I would I would definitely watch you know like a uh, an animated fucked up Scooby Doo fucked up Scooby Doo version of this <laughs> of this if it were a program if it were picked up by like YouTube or picked up by you know let's let's just say Queeby <laughs> even though it's gonna be extinct by the time this episode comes out. Um, you, you know, know like fu- okay. funny shit funny I, shit. Also, I don't know if you. Going along the same lines of a fucked up Scooby Doo, if you notice the subtle humor in a lot of DC cartoons, yeah, the subtle humor that they have, you could fit that in the tone of this story. If you were to like, um, I I, I kind of see them as being similar. So if I, for me, I sure. would, I would combine that subtle humor that DC some DC cartoons offer. Um, Some adult, of them are super edge, edgy too. Super edgy, Some mixed of them are with the fucked up Scooby Doo. Like I recently watched um, the same studio who did that did um, the Mortal Kombat animation oh. recently, and as much as they make Scorpion kind of like a Kratos, you know, like God of War kind of warrior, they still have Johnny Cage in the background you know, quipping and, and making jokes. And he's actually voiced by uh, the guy from Community, the the main guy from Community. Oh, Joel McHale. Joel McHale. So, like, you have this, like, guy who's like, I will avenge my my murdered wife and son. And then you have J- Joel McHale in the background going, like, nice outfit, asshole. Like, it's just, re- <laughs> it's just really funny. So, um, so, yeah, I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. That studio, the Warner Brothers Studios that does the animated parts of DC, they have a very fun like balance yeah. of edge and uh, and humor. So I definitely get that. Oh, wait a minute. Warner Bros. don't they own the rights to Scooby-Doo? Um, oh, no. No, I don't. I, maybe. Maybe, actually. I actually think you're right. So the, I think they do. So, the so it actually makes sense that Warner Bros. So it actually makes sense that the studio that would best adapt this material is Warner Brothers. So <laughs> Warner Brothers, you know, make make some calls. Get get out to uh, this guy. This guy published this entire series as a book. Okay. Um, remember that section we skipped? I think it was chapter six or chapter five. We had to skip an entire section because it was book exclusive well, and it was covering Halloween. So. Okay. Was that is that confirmed? Because I know the, that after we I do of... believe it's confirmed, okay. because it is a section in the book, gotcha. and they do allude to it, and it's it's funny how they allude to it because narratively it doesn't matter. Narratively they make it not matter, but it's still funny that they say no 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 it never happened doesn't matter you know like <laughs> yeah. as the story continues yeah. very that's very funny. Um, I'm not going to say that this is like something I would have written because I like to have a sense of humor in things I write and I've written a lot of stuff like this, but I will say that like if I ever wanted to do creepy pasta, it would probably be like something um like yo dude, I didn't know you had a dog, which is the one about the rake uh the rake um 
uh, or hey dude, I didn't, I, when did you get a dog or whatever the fuck that was called is very similar to, to my sense of humor. Um, anyway, that was Tales from a Gas Station from Reddit No Sleep. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Tenron. I did. Thoroughly. Well, hopefully there will be more. So we will get to that at some fucking point. Uh, but you realize the guy... Well, take, take a seat. Take a seat real quick. Come on in. I made some cookies. I'm going to change my bra in the back. <laughs> take a seat. Why don't you? <laughs> I'm going to change my bra in the back. Okay, alright. I have to take out my tampon. I have to repl- I have to put in my tampon. I have to- No, it's take out the Chris, tampon. Chris is like, alright, shut up. Take a seat. <laughs> Get her the fuck out of here. You and I could have a discussion about it, because I'm very philosophical. How about you sit down, just for a take moment. Take a seat. <laughs> well, I have to tell you something. I'm Chris Hansen with Dayland NBC, and we're running an investigation on pedophiles such as yourself. Are you talking? Are you talking to? Oh no! I'd like to ask you a few questions, but of course, you're free to leave. Tell me you have the chat logs. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I have the chat logs here. Await till the days end when the moon is high. Atlanta till we stand at the shore. At the shore.